0: Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, February 10th. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you like what you're listening to today, then please be sure to go and follow the podcast. You could also go and leave me a review if you want to as well. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds. It'll help me out tremendously. And best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. It's all absolutely for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. All right, good morning, everyone. And as always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks and for making the show your first listen here to start your day. Last night, the Chicago Blackhawks returned to action from the NHL All-Star break a week away from the ice for everyone except for Alex it, of course, and in their first game back last night, they managed to walk away victorious with a 4-1 victory over the Oilers up in Edmonton, Alberta. So, of course, on the show today here, folks, I'll be going over everything of note from that 4-1 win last night. I'll also discuss Matthew Darsh. Who is a former NHLer and current member of the Tampa Bay Lightnings front office, becoming the sixth candidate to receive an interview for the Blackhawks vacant general manager job. And then to wrap things up today Ooh, excuse me. To wrap things up today, I'll also break down President Danny Wurtz's conversation with NBC Sports Chicago on his father Rocky's embarrassing outbreak towards a couple of media members. During last week's town hall meeting. All that and plenty more right here on Lockdown Blackhawks. To kick things off this morning, though, folks, why don't we get into the solid victory last night from the Blackhawks over the Edmonton Oilers? And for those of you who tuned into the show yesterday, uh, as always, thank you for all the constant support. You're the reason why I do all this work on a daily basis. Thank you. For all the listeners out there who tune in regularly to Lockdown Blackhawks, it means the world to me, seriously. Um, But if you tuned into the show yesterday, not to toot my own horn or anything, but sometimes I'm right about a couple things, folks. Uh, And if you listened yesterday, then you heard me say my first key to victory for the Blackhawks would be to come out with a strong push right from the opening puck drop and to get that lead coming out of the first period. Heading into the All-Star break, the Blackhawks had only scored the first goal in six of their last 16 games. No wonder things have been going the way that they were. They just weren't having the lead enough, constantly playing from behind. And (laughs) if we've learned anything from the Blackhawks, this team simply isn't built to be coming from behind all the time with their lack of offense consistently. Um, But last night, they actually listened to me. It's like the boys heard me or something, uh, because less than two minutes into the game, on a power play, Patrick Kane and Alex Debrinkit. I mean, who else uh, put the Blackhawks ahead 1 to nothing? A great no look feed from Kaner to find Cat in his home, back door at the left circle for his 27th goal of the season now. Fifth in the entire NHL. Debrinkit stays red hot. And then just over a minute later, Debrinkit and Hagel wound up connecting in transition. And also, I got to give some credit here. To Caleb Jones, because he really helped made this play happen. He saw, he, he recognized the situation the Blackhawks had in transition, exiting their defensive zone. He decides to jump up into the play to give his team numbers, and then he drives the net to force the defenseman back and opens up that passing lane for DeBrinkett to find Hagel. And then he beats Smith for his 13th goal of the season to double the Blackhawks' lead, just like that, in the opening three minutes of the game. Two goals on two shots for the Chicago Blackhawks, and two points in the early going for DeBrinket right off the bat. And let me tell you, folks, Mike Smith was in net for the Oilers last night, and oh my gosh, I don't know if he's not fully healthy from his injury and was just kind of forced back in there with Miko Koskinen getting, uh, getting placed in COVID protocol or if his confidence was shaken or something, but... Whatever it was, Mike Smith, to put it nicely, was not looking very good in that to open up this game. I mean, he was falling down on the ice. He was playing like, he was playing so deep in his net. I don't, I, I saw people mention to me that he always plays deep in his net, but I feel like I would have noticed it if it was this deep into his net in the past, like, his butt was seriously in the net. Like, it was ridiculous. He was also turning the puck over behind the net. He didn't seem to be on the same page as some of his teammates. I mean, it it was bad. You name it, Mike Smith did it wrong in that first period last night. And I actually have no idea how the Hawks weren't able to get, like, four or five by him in those opening 20 minutes because that's seriously how unconfident he looked out there on the ice. Uh, And that actually was another key to victory. For me, on yesterday's episode that I mentioned, I said the Hawks were going to have to take advantage of this shoddy defense and poor goaltending combo for Edmonton with a bunch of guys out of the lineup for them. Without Oscar Kleffbaum still, no Chris Russell, and then as I already mentioned, Miko Koskinen and their starter got placed into COVID protocol on Monday. Uh, and even though I thought it was going to be Stuart Skinner in that for Edmonton yesterday, the situation still kind of wound up being true, and maybe even a little bit more so with Smith in there. Um, and that second line for the Blackhawks, they, they were great right from the get-go. Debrinkit, Doc, and Hagel, they wound up uh, taking advantage in the early going to go up 2 to nothing heading into the first intermission. And that line, I mean, really w- was the difference maker for the Blackhawks all night long. Um, Kubelik, Kane, and Strom had their shifts, but for the most part, it was to it, Doc, and Hagel generating a majority of the chances for the Blackhawks' way. Um, and I also wanted to say, I already talked about him a little bit, but Caleb Jones, against his former team last night, you know this was a game he had circled on his calendar for quite a while, and he was very noticeable, particularly... In the opening 20 minutes of this one, he made a couple of really solid plays. He had a great a scoring opportunity where I feel like he just happened to shoot it in Mike Smith's glove when he was all alone right in front of the net. Nearly made it third uh, 3 to nothing. Um but he was just really good in, in that opening 20 minutes and, as I mentioned earlier, really helped create that goal for Hagel by jumping up into the play and driving the net to open things up for DeBrinckett to move that puck over to the bagel. The second period, though, that's when things started to get a little bit hairy for the Blackhawks uh, and actually less than 8 minutes into the period at like the 12:30 mark the Hawks had already been outshot 12 to nothing in the second period it was like what how did that happen so fast where where'd all our momentum go but that's the skill this Oilers team has especially on the offensive side they can jump on you in a hurry if you're not paying attention or playing up to your A game and the Blackhawks certainly weren't out of that first intermission and then near the midway mark on the power play Leon Dreisaitl wound up stuffing one home to cut the deficit to 2 to 1 and at that point I mean I was starting to get pretty nervous because all the momentum was in Edmonton's favor they were moving the puck uh, and really that that was how it, how it would go for uh the rest of the period for the most part until maybe the final couple of minutes where the Blackhawks uh, got a few offensive chances off, but the majority of the second period was spent entirely in the Blackhawks zone. But fortunately, <laughs> as our guy always seems to do, Marc-Andre Fleury stood on top of his head and bailed them out time after time after time. Only got beat once on the power play by Seidel. The Hawks got outshot 18-6 to in the second period. But flurry stopped seventeen of those eighteen shots to keep his team ahead two to one going into the second intermission, and that was huge for the Blackhawks because what I was also really impressed to see out of this team was how quickly they responded in the third to get momentum back on their side. Flurry kept them in it, and then they picked him up by coming out with a purpose from that second intermission and on another early power play opportunity, just like in the first period, and this one was a, a really stupid penalty by Leon Dreisidel. I think you could clearly see the frustration out of this Oilers team last night. Uh Vander Kane, I mean, he doesn't even have to be frustrated to be doing the things that he was doing, but he had a bad hit on Brandon Hagel in the corner. He also had a a moment in front of the Blackhawks net where he whacked Caleb Jones a couple of times. He also got into it with Flurry a little bit. Um, so I, I thought it was pretty apparent that. The Oilers were playing a little ticked off, and for a guy like Leon Draisaitl to make that dumb of a decision to take uh, an, an inter- a blatant interference penalty in the crucial point of the game, you know, I thought that was really telling, but the Hawks did a great job of capitalizing on their opportunity for their second power play goal of the game, and once again, Alex DeBrinkett was the man making it happen. It was a great feed through the legs of an Oilers defender to find Strom's tape in front. Literally, Strom didn't even have to move his stick to break it. Just set up a perfect laser pass for Stromer to tip it in. Uh, And that was also Strom's second point of the game to put the Blackhawks back up by two early on in the third period. And the special teams wound up making a difference in this game. The Oilers did have that power play goal by Seidel in the second period, but the Hawks killed off their other three Man advantage opportunities while the Hawks themselves went two for four on the power play and going up against the third ranked power play in the entire NHL that the Oilers possess. Really solid outing from the Hawks penalty kill, and it really wound up making a difference in this one. That power play goal early on in the third, I thought, really set the tone for the Blackhawks the rest of the way. The Oilers did come with a couple of good pushes and had a couple of good chances, uh, but credit all around to both the defense and Flurry. I thought the defense. Didn't really allow the Oilers to get any second or third opportunities. They made the easy plays. They got the puck out of their own end. And when Flurry was tested, uh, he, he came up big per usual. And then later on in the third, Kirby Dock went on to add an insurance goal to bump the lead up to 4-1. To also snapping a nine-game goal drought for Doc in the process, which certainly had to feel good for him. Uh, and then the Blackhawks would go on to ride Flurry the rest of the way. Wound up stopping 40 of 41 shots faced in net to pick up the 4-1 victory in Edmonton. Most of that work did come in the second period for the Flower. Debrinket leads the way offensively with his second three-point effort in the la- in the last five games now, while Kirby Doc, Dylan Strom, and Brandon Hagel all pitched in for two points as well to help the Hawks kick off their second half with a solid victory against the Oilers up in Edmonton. All right, there are my thoughts on the Blackhawks. 4 1 victory last night against the Oilers. Coming up in just a moment, I am going to discuss Tampa Bay Lightning director of hockey ops Matthew Darsh being the sixth candidate to receive an interview for the Hawks general manager job. But first, I need to talk to you all about Bet Online. There may be less football being played now, but Bet Online has way more odds and info for the playoff season with Super Bowl Sunday on the horizon. From game scores, totals, player performance props to where the next fire coach is going to land bet online remains your number one spot for all nfl betting here in 2022 and from basketball to the nhl boxing and ufc right to your favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2022 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and Vegas casino games.
1: Bet online where the game begins. All right, we're back here on Lockdown Blackhawks,
0: moving on into segment 2 this morning. I also wanted to be sure to go over the news that actually dropped about uh, 30 minutes before puck drop versus the Oilers last night. Which was that Matthew Darsh, who is an NHL veteran of 250 games from 2000 to 2012, and the current director of hockey ops for the Tampa Bay Lightning, became the sixth person to interview for the vacant GM job here in Chicago. And that could be the sixth and final candidate to receive an interview from the Blackhawks, might I add, based on the recent reports we've heard about this situation. We originally heard they would only be interviewing, they would only be giving out five or six interviews. And now we're at six. And I know I said this literally on the show yesterday, but this now could be it for the next GM of the Chicago Blackhawks. Peter Chiarelli, Matthew Darsh, Kyle Davidson, Jeff Greenberg, Scott Mellenby, and Eric Tolsky. It could be down to those six. But the addition of Matthew Darsh to this group, thinking yesterday. It could have been it with those five I had mentioned, the first five. The addition of Darsh is really interesting to me because not only has he obviously
1: helped the Lightning win back-to-back Stanley Cups here, um, but he's also handled a lot of different aspects being the director of Hockey Ops for Tampa Bay. He's been
0: involved with player personnel decisions, He's a big analytics guy as well. He's helped in player development, contract stuff, negotiations, cap stuff. You name it, Darsh has been doing it with the Lightning as their director of hockey ops since back in May of 2019. And a lot of success has gone on in Tampa since then. So um, this obviously sounds like a very enticing option here for the Blackhawks. And I know I'm not the only one thinking that when it comes to Matthew Darsh. I mean, the resume
1: here, it speaks for itself. But I also think it's important that Darsh is a fairly recent NHL player.
0: Last played in 2012, so about a decade ago still, but a very respected locker room guy that found himself all over the league at both levels. He played for Tampa, Columbus, Nashville, San Jose, Montreal, along with several of their AHL clubs as well. So. He's been with a lot of teams, been in a lot of locker rooms, played for a long time, um, and just found himself in a lot of situations where you could be gathering a bunch of different hockey knowledge and opinions from various people in this industry.
1: So, Darsh, to me, would be right up there with Kyle Davidson and Eric Tolsky in my top
0: three. And if they don't wind up going with Davidson, as I've talked about several times here on the show, he's been rumored to be the front runner for this job and have it be his job to lose almost. If it's not Davidson, I think it has to be either Tolski or Darsh in my opinion. That's my preference. Preference, excuse me. Because they're they're both sharp analytical minds who have experience and know how to run a front office, both of which have generated a lot of success recently. Those are the type of outside-the-box type hires that I think would be good fits to lead this team going forward. Go in a different direction. Don't go with the same hires, the same guys who have been around forever. Not a Peter Shirelli. That doesn't make any sense. I don't even know if Scott Mellenby
1: makes all that much sense. I think he does more than Shirely, certainly, though. So, to me, I would be really disappointed
0: if the job didn't wind up going to one of those three that I just mentioned. And one thing I've also thought, thought about, too, that I, I certainly wanted to bring up to all you listeners out there, and I want to know how you feel about it as well, um, while Kyle Davidson has done a really good job so far, and I've thought has handled the situation that he found himself in rather well, and has made a a couple of
1: small, solid moves, I do feel like it could be beneficial to have him and one of Tulski
0: or Darsh calling the shots in the front office, because we've also heard that if Davidson doesn't wind up landing the GM job here in Chicago, there will still likely be a role for him within the Blackhawks front office going forward. They've been very impressed with what he's done and how he's handled himself so far. So I just feel like having two of those minds working together rather than having to eliminate another top candidate, someone who else that they could really like if they're like torn, oh, I don't know if we want to get rid of Kyle, but we really like Tolski or we really like Darsh, whatever the situation may be. I just feel like it could be beneficial to have Both of those minds working together. That's just how I see it, though. Um, But I was definitely intrigued to hear the Hawks gave out a sixth GM interview on Thursday with Matthew Darsh from the Tampa Bay Lightning's front office getting the honors. And this could be it for the GM interviews here in Chicago. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see what the latest is in the next couple of days regarding this whole situation. All right, there are some quick thoughts on Matthew Darsh being interviewed by the Blackhawks for their vacant GM job. Coming up in just a minute, I will also get into President Danny Wartz's conversation with NBC Sports Chicago yesterday on his father Rocky's outburst during the town hall meeting last Wednesday. But first, I need to talk to you all about rockauto.com. Rock Auto is a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online and do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to save money and time while shopping for auto and body parts from hundreds of different manufacturers. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even as much as 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or at a new car dealership? Chain stores and car dealerships have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. But rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and they're always reliably low. The rockauto.com catalog is also remarkably unique and super easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle from motor oil to tail lamps and even carpet. And you can also choose the brands, specifications, and the prices that you prefer. And best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much money for the same parts when you can go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts that you will ever need for your car or truck for the best possible prices.
1: Welcome back to Lockdown Blackhawks. I'm
0: your host Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three now on the show this morning. Before I let you all go for the rest of the day, I also wanted to be sure to quickly go over Danny Wirtz's conversation yesterday with David Kaplan from NBC Sports Chicago on his father Rocky's outburst towards a couple of media members and Mark Lazarus and Phil Thompson during that town hall meeting last week. First and foremost, though, I, I want to start by saying. Um, that there really wasn't anything that Danny could have said or did say that would have made up for Rocky's actions during that town hall meeting. I mean, truly one of the most embarrassing moments I have ever witnessed out of someone in professional sports. And that's saying something with all the Blackhawks have been through this season.
1: Um, nothing, you know, Danny could say would make up for Rocky's actions last week. And at
0: this point, that's kind of how the organization has made it to all of us fans,
1: I feel like. All we care about is actions now. Because their words, really, at this point, are meaningless. So,
0: while I will say that Danny, once again, said all the right things himself, you know, that the organization is trying to make this a safe and inclusive environment for people to work in. They're trying to make the correct hires to create a place where people want to come to work and be proud of what they do on every level of the organization. Um, And also, I thought it it was a, a nice statement saying, you know, while the Stanley Cup obviously remains the ultimate goal, they also want to go about it
1: and win in the right manner. That's what they, if they've learned anything he said, it's about how they want to win. So,
0: again, Danny did say all the right things in that interview with David Kaplan, I thought. Uh, But at the end of the day, all that really matters from this organization is their actions going forward that they take in order to make sure these changes actually do occur within the organization. That's all the fans care about because we've heard plenty of blanketed statements put out where all the right things are said and changes are promised to be made. We've heard the Blackhawks make these statements. They end up being lies. Their actions tell us differently. Rocky goes out in front of the the media and commits one of the most despicable performances I've ever seen in my entire life. So their words just have not backed up with their actions for basically the last year now.
1: So at this point, even if it's a good interview by Danny, who's going to believe it? And I don't blame anyone for not believing it because I don't really either. We know Rocky's still around. Are changes really going to happen with that man still here? It's a very valid question because what he showed us last Wednesday is that no, there's not. So it's hard to believe these statements even if they are when Danny Wirtz is saying the right things. It's all about the actual
0: changes from this point on, not just hearing what Danny is, is uh, he, not just hearing Danny tell us what they're going to do. And I know it's, it's a, tough fit, a tough thing to, to actually see in terms of progress from an outside perspective. Oh, how, how do we really know that changes are being made when we're not
1: involved in the day to day process of the Chicago Blackhawks? Well, that's honestly, it's something that it's going to take years to be built. But if they go about it the correct way, hopefully, years from now, we'll hear about this organization having a much better culture. And we'll hear it from people in the organization at the time. Not just high-ranking front office members, but all different levels.
0: It's going to take years to be built. It's going to take some time. But until that happens... It's going to be tough for the fans to buy back in I feel like and to trust this organization ever again because of everything they've done over the last handful of months.
1: So, well, I do, you know, I do give credit to Danny for the way he answered those questions. I'm not, you know, trying to
0: diss on Danny and um talk down on him or anything. I thought it was a good showing. Uh it's just that it's a, it's just a little bit late it feels like. It's not going to make up for Rocky did certainly and it's just all about the actual changes that need that need to be made. I'm not trying to bash Danny here. I like I've liked what I've heard from him and what
1: I've heard about him. He always seems respectable and he doesn't seem like he's one to be hiding anything. But we need more than just the right things being said to the media at this point.
0: Sure, that's step number 1, but we've seen that go terribly for far too long now, uh, and we need to start actually seeing the Blackhawks hold up their end of the bargain. Uh, again, that's going to take a lot of time, but I really believe it's the only way to go about things for actual progress to be made, both with the franchise and with the fan base. One all, one other quick thing I wanted to be sure to mention real quick before I let you all go. While I was recording this, this episode, I should say, <laughs> not this segment, earlier on in the episode,
1: I got a report on Twitter that the Blackhawks, not the Blackhawks the Edmonton Oilers after last night's 4 to 1 defeat to the Chicago Blackhawks have officially fired head coach Dave Tippett. Pin drop. Wow. Kind of a curious time I
0: feel like to do so. Obviously, losing 4 to 1 this Blackhawk to this Blackhawks team is a uh, For an Oilers team that that believes they could be at the top of the Pacific Division with all the talent that they have, you know, that's certainly not a good look for them. But they had won five of their last seven games prior to this defeat, so I found the timing to be a little curious. Why didn't they just do it after the seven-game losing streak uh, prior to that? They're still outside of the playoffs, but they're in a spot. They could still make it if they have a strong push here in the second half, Um, but interesting that. The Blackhawks wound up being the breaking point for Dave Tippett's tenure up in Edmonton with that 4-1 victory last night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I think that will wrap up Thursday, February tenth episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to go and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you can get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the lockdown bets podcast, which is hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. You can get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and even Lee Sterling's lock of the day by just simply following the lockdown bets podcast. It's free and available on all platforms. So be sure to check out lockdown bets right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, Thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account, at Talkin Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And for any questions at all regarding anything related to the show, feel free to email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts, or you can also check out my brand new Instagram page at LockdownBlackhawks. So until tomorrow's episode, thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.